Welcome to another edition of Making Money. Ron Hebert is the financial coach, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead. Ron, we we started a a two-part series last week on how to buy a house, try to buy your first house, which a lot of people seem to think is an impossibility. Well, we've sort of lifted the veil on that and showing you some steps that you can employ to start saving for that down payment and, and some different strategies in that way. But what is the strategy to get into your first home? Let's, let's outline it step by step. So to make it in the housing market today requires a little bit of innovation. It requires some sweat. It requires some, and a little bit of creativity as well. So what we're going to try and do is provide you with some tips that will uh, put the goal of home ownership within your grasp. And the first one is move to a cheaper location to live. Now, obviously, Vancouver and Toronto, especially if you're young, have certain attractions. I mean, they've got theater and they've got things that you just can't find uh, in smaller communities. But if you move to a satellite community and commute uh, or to a place where the wages are good and the cost of living is low, I mean, that used to be the case in Alberta where uh, we stayed in Alberta to raise a family. We thought, and I had many opportunities to, to transfer actually, but with four kids, we could afford to go on vacation. We could afford to have a home. The kids could afford to take music lessons or go play soccer or play hockey or whatever they wanted to do. So we opted for the the less expensive location and a little more lifestyle in that location. And obviously, home prices were cheaper and it allowed us to do so. So unless you're you're stuck on the idea that you have to live in one of the major expensive centers in Canada. If you can move to a satellite community or another province where it's cheaper, that's a good place to start. And there's nothing wrong with starting small, right? Uh, Mobile homes are an example. You know, last show we talked about um, the homes that we started with, and you started with a half a duplex, and I started with a three-level condo or, or, or split level that had only 400 square feet on each floor. This wasn't a mansion by any stretch of the imagination. So if you start small, and today you can start small with a mobile home, uh, you can start small with a tiny home. I mean, some of those, uh, I went and looked at a tiny home the other day, and for 500 or 600 square feet, especially if, if there's not, uh, you know, you don't have a family, uh, that's not a bad place to start. And if you buy one of those, you can pay it off in a couple of years and you've got some equity. I've, I've seen a lot of talk lately about these container homes too, right? If you can find a piece of land that's affordable and you get one of these containers and turn your imagination loose, you can come up with a really interesting accommodation. We have uh, in Hawaii... Uh, when we were there, we went and looked at a number of container homes where the containers are nine feet high that they use and they're 40 feet long and they're eight feet wide. So if you get three of them side by side, you've got 24 by 40. And then you have, you can put them at angles and you, you basically just weld them together and take out some of the inside. And yeah, if you are creative, or even if you get a small condo to start with, at least it allows you to start building equity. Okay, so what about sharing your home with with parents or elderly parents or grandparents or whatever the case may be? You know, that's certainly uh, today kids want their freedom. But you know, as I tell a kid who's got his fr- the, that wants their freedom, hey, you don't have any problem living down your parents' basement. 
till you're 30 or 35. What's the difference if uh, they move into the basement of your house and typically if they if they have a little bit of extra cash flow uh, they can put that toward the utilities or part of the mortgage payment and you know if you get along really well with your parents and you have uh, another entrance where you can get together you can you can plan where you're you're not tripping over each other all the time you can plan your 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 get-togethers you know when you're going to have your meals or do activities together and the rest of the time you can you can have separate living but in a lot of cases that works really well to, to allow you to get into your your first place. One of my fondest memories as a child was, uh, you know, I grew up in what we called the family homestead. My grandfather lived with us. My grandmother had passed away just before I was born. Granddad lived with me until I was 14, right? Yeah, yeah, and my grandmother lived with us for, oh, 10 to 15 years in, in my parents' house. And of course, uh, she didn't have a lot of money, but her money went toward uh, food, it went toward a utility cost, so it helped bring our costs down. And she got to eat every night with the family and, and enjoy us, and we certainly enjoyed her. So, it, uh, it it's you know it's not the ideal solution for everyone, but certainly it if you look at people that arrive here from other countries and they're basically broke, they pool the resources together as parents and uh, or or extended family and they live together for a while and they share accommodations and they help pay off one and then they hive off and pay off another and another and another and before you know it everybody in the family many of them have bigger families with lots of kids um, you know the, the whole family by the time they're 35 owns their own home how do they do that well they're doing things that we aren't like yeah. All right, now let's talk a little bit about Fixer Uppers. That's the name of a popular TV show, which I don't think is on the air anymore, although they're into reruns. But a little sweat equity. Uh, you know, I can recall that duplex I mentioned, my brother and I at the time, uh, the bathroom needed a lot of work. Now we went down there and we did it. We fixed it up. Yeah, and I know with uh, the houses that we owned, uh, I can't tell you the times I put down new, new linoleum, new tile, I painted the outside, I fixed the fence, I planted, uh, made flower beds, planted flowers. Uh, I tore up old sections of concrete and, uh, uh, or, or, or straightened out sections where they were too high and put sand or whatever and leveled them off and uh, picked weeds and planted grass. And, and even, you know, I replaced gutters and, and uh, did all kinds of things. And most of them didn't require a high skill level. They just required a lot of sweat. And if you're willing to do that, I know personally we bought and fixed up four houses before we ended up finally in the home that uh, uh, we lived in for, for two decades. You know, we found a place that we wanted, but it took us a number of, of every time we bought a place, we fixed it up, we sold it. We got a little bit more equity, bought another place, fixed it up and sold it. And every time we did that, because... When you buy a home and you sell it, if you live in it for a period of time, uh, you don't pay any tax on that. So you get all this tax-free income or capital that keeps building up over and over again, and eventually you get the home you want. All right, let's talk about land. They ain't making any more of it, as the old saying goes. What about starting off by just buying a lot somewhere? You know, if you buy a lot and pay it off, especially if you buy a lot outside the city and maybe a maybe an acreage or a new development, and you've got a little bit of time, uh, and this especially works in areas where there aren't a lot of, a, a lot of uh, 
controls on what you have to build so you're not moving into a neighborhood where every house has to look like another. But you can buy a lot, you can pay it off. You could put a tiny house on it and pay it off. Then you could build a garage, pay it off. Then you could build a, a house and put a renter in the tiny house or, or the mobile home and uh, they could rent and, and help you pay your mortgage. I know lots of people, um, and I know our first property at the recreational property at the lake. We built a garage, and the garage became our summer home for about five years. And we worked on the property. We put the concrete pad in, and then uh, we poured the foundation for the house. And then we found a, a home. We put it that on the back of a truck and we had it moved and put on our um, our foundation and then we spent I put up some fencing and I built a deck and chopped down trees and put in lawn and we did that a little bit at a time but frankly we did it all virtually out of savings we'd save some money you know I had 10,000 well that went for the deck and we'd save another 10 and that went for the driveway and we got a garage package and had some friends come over and uh, we had a work party and some garage beer building B. Yeah, yeah garage building B with one guy that knows what he's doing and lots of people that provide sweat equity and that's how you do those things and frankly if more people got back to some of the basics they could own their own property too what about a, a house with a suite in it so you got a renter helping you pay the expenses well you know a classic is you buy a house with a suite in it you move downstairs and run up the upstairs and then when you have kids you move upstairs and rent out the downstairs then when you get enough kids you kick the renters out and that's basically what we did for the first 11 years of our marriage is uh, we had renters and um, they paid you know on average they were paying about a third of our mortgage and because we were paying the whole thing ourselves that third we used to essentially pay down the mortgage each month. And when you're adding 25 or 30 percent, we cut our 25-year amortization down to eight. And that's just a good way if you can be a super saver. And if you can't, well, just applying that money to the, to the mortgage itself will, will bring it down a lot faster. And you have to put up a lot less. We talked about living with other family members. Move in with other family members if you have to, right? Yeah, you know, especially if you've got a brother or sister that uh, you kind of get along with. Uh, that can be great, and and both of you, uh, you you set up an agreement when you when you move into a house that both of you will live in it for a certain period of time. You sort of have come to an agreement on, on what the expenses are going to be, how much you're both going to be putting it in, putting in for it, and then when you approximately when you think you're going to sell it and how much you'll get out of it and how you're going to split it. If you take care of all the details before you do that, it can be a way that you really accelerate how quickly you can get into a house and pay it off. I like this line that you, you came up with here. Practice deferred gratification. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the uh, kids are starting with houses that are 2,400 square feet. Uh, they got a finished basement. They got concrete walks. They've got a driveway. They got granite countertops, hardwood, uh, rocker, ceramic tile flooring, heated flooring, jacuzzi tubs, double garage, multiple bathrooms, a landscaped and fenced yard, and a deck. Well, n my house had a bathroom. 
<laughs> which was an old tub that we ended up replacing and a toilet and a sink, which we ended up replacing. It didn't have any of these. Now we added them as we bought houses and over time, we were able to build a garage and we were able to, we were, we were able to do, uh, put extra bathrooms in and extra showers and things like that, but not when we started. You know, these are all luxuries. And if you want to just get into a house, get into the basic house and then add things as you go along. I can recall talking to my former bank manager who was just retired, and, and we had a great relationship. We used to sit and have a cup of coffee at her office, and she would sit there and shake her head and tell me about these young couples coming in that wanted to have everything right off the get-go. And, and they maybe were in a position where they were making a good income, but she feared for the future, right? If interest rates all of a sudden started to spike, and right now we're seeing inflation starting to creep up, only a matter of time, and bingo, you're going to find yourself back against the wall, right? Yeah, and so why push yourself to the wall? You know, if, if, uh, if you can own a little less, you can get somebody living with you, you get what's called a margin of safety. So if you lose your job or you get hurt or you have to be hospitalized and have some surgery for some reason or you split up, it's not going to kill you financially. You're not going to have your back against the wall and have your house taken away from you. Okay, we talked about the, the, the ability to borrow money from your RSP to give you a leg up on that down payment. You've got to pay it back, but there is a plan there, right? Yeah. Now, the home buyer's plan lets first-time home buyers, so you can't use it for every successive house, but you can take up to 35000 out of your RSP to purchase a home. The loan doesn't trigger any tax. And it only triggers tax if it isn't paid back to the RSP within 15 years of withdrawal. And the nice thing about that, if you are in a higher income bracket and you put 35000 into your, your RSP, you're getting about half of that back in tax savings by making the contribution. So the home buyer's plan is a very efficient way to save for down payment. Is there an, an ability to get some kind of assistance from the government here? I, I don't think I was aware of this. Uh, you can claim $5,000 for the purchase of a home on your federal income tax, but there's a provisio, and that is uh, you can't have owned a home, either you or your partner, in the current year or the four preceding years, and uh, you've got to use this home as your principal residence. So you, you can't have a, a rental property and, and, and get this particular deduction. But you know $5,000, here again, if you're in the top tax bracket, uh, that could be $2,000 that you're um, getting back as the tax refund that you could afford to put um, toward a down payment. Here's one that, you know, maybe some people would say this is a bitter pill to swallow, but it makes a lot of sense. If, you, if you're one of these young people that's bought a house and you're on the outskirts of a city, let's say, but there is transit service. Leave yeah. your car at home. Take the bus, right? It's cheaper than driving. You don't have to worry about parking. And Yeah. And also, you know, if uh, your parents are willing and uh, you can live at home for a while, down the basement, um, sit down with the old man and your mother, and just say, look, how would you like to get me out of your hair for the rest of your life? You'll probably find they're willing to participants if you cut them a deal. And, and you just say, look, any money I get, because I'm living at home, I'll take 60 or 70% of it, and I'll salt it away 
for a down payment. You know, if you've got a job making uh, $30,000, $35,000, your take home's twenty, and you put twelve or fourteen toward a house, well, in two years, you've got $28,000 toward a mortgage. In three years, you've got $42,000 toward a down payment. That's three years worth of income. And so if you can swallow your pride, live downstairs a few years if they charge you nominal rent and maybe board, uh, and you promise to salt all that money towards a down payment, wait, you're well on your way to, to owning your own home. You don't have to stop living either through that process. I mean, you can still go out with your friends and have some fun, but you got to exercise some discipline. And it's financial discipline. It's saving. That, that's really the key, right? That's why they call us a financial coach. <laughs> Very good. Ron Hebert is the financial coach. And the show is called Making Money. If you have a show suggestion or if you want a little more information on this topic, this is a big one, buying a home. Maybe there's something that we didn't touch upon. Shoot us an email. Letsmakemoney.ca is our website. It'll get directly to our inbox and we'll be happy to address it. Or you can also reach us through our friends at CFCW. CFCW CFCW.com is the portal where the show is hosted. And we'll be happy to answer that for you. Or as we say, a show suggestion. We're back next week with another installment of Making Money on behalf of the financial Coach Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.